series called An Unhurried Life based on a book uh, by Alan Fadling called An Unhurried Life, following Jesus's rhythms of work and rest. And the, the, the kind of foundational verse that we talk about uh, with this is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, so we have these tomato plants in our front yard, and, um, and they're like super bearing fruit right now. And all of that fruit comes out of labor that we've done of planting and watering and fertilizing. And uh, well, not watering because I, I can do it with an app on my phone. It's so cool. Anyway, um, and so all this work makes this tomato, right? Because that's a tomato plant. Well, we were designed in the image of God. So when we labor into our um, uh, into becoming more like Jesus, the fruit that will appear is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. Those are the fruits that are going to come up. And as we'll see in a couple weeks when my friend Brandon comes and talks to us about maturity, these things take time. And so I really like the fact that after this, because you can think, oh, I, I'm not loving enough. I don't have enough joy. I don't have enough peace. What's happening to my life? Uh, just in two verses, Paul probably figured you were going to think that. And he writes this down. Since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step. It's step by step by step by step. It's not we plunge into it and we get it all done in a week. We don't, it's just this daily rhythm of becoming more and more like Jesus. I'll give you an example. This morning we're going to be talking about prayer, which is uh, chapter six in the book. Uh, I'll be referencing the book a couple times. But um, scheduled maintenance. So uh, I had a friend who convinced me to buy a 66 Mustang. And here, here it is right here. That's it. Now, I know what day this was taken um, because the hood's up. It's a Saturday. That's when, this is what my car looked like every Saturday. Because every Saturday, I had to do something. Because he had convinced me that if you buy a Mustang, uh, let, like, let's say I have a Hyundai now. She, she's gone. She's in Australia. But uh, I have a Hyundai now. And uh, if you want to replace the alternator in the Hyundai, it's, it's $400. Well, I actually replaced the alternator myself in this car, and it was $40. And uh, so it was really cheap. Uh, except there's this thing called the value of your time that I hadn't taken into account. And so I was constantly working on this thing. Constantly. Here's the problem. This car while it was awesome and people random strangers would wave at me while I was driving it it was really cool I felt I just felt very important it didn't have one of these this is a check engine light or um, uh, an idiot light if you want to call it that or you could just call it hey John it's time to change the oil so what happened uh, just real recently was uh, uh, just a week ago it came to my mind that I should probably check my oil like, that'd be a good idea. So I opened up the hood, and I looked around, and I found it, because it, it, fortunately it said oil on it. And um, I pulled it out, and it was odd, because I had a rag with me, and normally you wipe off the oil, but there was no oil to wipe. 
off. And so I stuck it back in. I like really shoved it down there to make sure I pulled it out. There's no, there's no oil. So I'm like, oh, we got to add some oil. So I put a quart of oil in, shoved it down, brought it back up. <laughs> no, no oil. So I, all you car people are like, oh, oh my goodness, this guy's an idiot. Okay. So, so I put in another quart too. Put it in. I, you could just at the tip see oil. Put another quart in. Put it in. Oh man, it still, it still shows low. Put another cord in. <laughs> Put it in. It still was like, ju- like just over the good. And so I thought, well, I might as well top it off since I won't be checking it for this year. And uh, I, sh- I put a half a cord in and it was full. Four and a half quarts of oil. Because I didn't do the scheduled maintenance. You can do it with your tires. You can do it with oil. You can do it with uh, changing your wiper blades, all these different things. But scheduled maintenance also shows up in our relationships. I can't just buy my wife a diamond every August and be like, hey, we're good. I bought you a diamond. It's this daily step by step by step. I can't work out all my workouts in one day in January and then have that last the whole year. It's step by step by step. It's the small things over and over and over. I can't retire by just throwing a large amount of money into it's the monthly just setting it aside, setting it aside. Everything we have of value is a step by step process. And our relationship with Jesus is no different. Now here's the here's what I want to talk about this morning is uh, is prayer. Here's, here's the model we see from Jesus. But Jesus would often, with, uh, often withdrew to, a lonely, to lonely places and prayed. Often. Jesus often set some time aside. He often, uh, his rhythm was to go, when it starts to get um, where I haven't been with God maybe for a day or two, I want to go, I often spend time out there. And here's what I want to do. If you don't hear anything, I want you to let you off the hook on your prayer life. Some people can pray for hours and they're sweaty and they're like passionate and those prayers are so honoring to God, and God honors them, and he loves them. Um, some people can lament, and they're just, they're good at that. They're good at just, you know, asking for forgiveness for our nation, and for all these things, and those are, those are great, and some people are great intercessors. They, they have a list of people, and they're just, they're just interceding on, uh, bringing them to, to God, and those are really, really important as well, but for the majority of people, there's this burden of prayer of how do I do it? How do I pray? How do I talk to God? I don't know all the language. I don't know how to say verily um, or thee or all these things. What I want you to focus on this morning is this word, often. You go to your heavenly father, not with a big thing of, oh, I'm going to pray for all day. Those are great times. You can get them. But that habit every morning, maybe just for 60 seconds, maybe, you know, maybe you kind of work those muscles, you build those muscles up and it goes to two minutes and then it goes to five minutes and you're just talking to your heavenly father, dear God, today, you know what today's going to look like. Would you... Just help me to get through it. Would you help me use words of wisdom? I'm having a difficult conversation. Would you give me words? Would you tell me when to be quiet? It's just talking to God, and then it's partly listening to God. 
the how is not as important as the when, often. Here's what Alan says in his book. Jesus' pattern here is not superhuman. Like, anyone can do this. If you, if you started following Jesus yesterday, you can have a vibrant prayer life. We can actually follow his example if we feel we're too busy to follow. Oh, man, this is so convicting. I'm going to turn this TV around. I don't like it. If we feel we're too busy to follow Jesus in this way, perhaps we have made ourselves too busy. Since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step. So we're going to look at a guy in the Bible called Jehonadab, Jehonadab, okay? Here's how you remember it. It's three things, Jehonadab, okay? Very, very simple. I'll show you again, Jehonadab, okay? You got that? And, oh, you wanted to see it one more time? Jehonadab, there we go. All right, I, I, figured, I figured you did. Uh, this guy, Jehonadab, if you, knew, if, you knew who, if you know who he is, you go to your fridge right now and put a star on it and say, I'm a Bible, I'm a Bible winner, okay? Because I had not heard of this guy before. But uh, I was reading in the Bible that he just shows up at this really crazy time. Like, like there's this king called Jehu, and he and he, Israel was divided into two different uh, things, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And they had two different kings and they were following Baal. And it was like a big deal. And the people were sinning and worshiping Baal. And that has, I don't have time to go into all the things that are involved in Baal worship, but it's not good. Uh, and besides, you're supposed to be following Yahweh, right? And so uh, Jehu gets anointed to be king. And he goes off. First thing he does is he kills the two kings that were in the north and in the south. Then uh, he takes, Ahab was one of the kings. So he, Ahab had 70 sons. Yeah, you know. So I don't even want to get into that. But he has 70 sons. So Jehu has him, has the servants kill all the sons. I hope. Are, are we done with kids' times? Okay. Your kids. Hey, kids. Um, so then he, he decapitates them. They probably don't know what that word means. And they bring all 70 of the decapitations to the city, and they divide them up into two piles, okay? So just think about, like, what Jehu is doing. It's, it's, it's massive. Then what Jehu does is he, in, he says, he puts out, a, um, he puts out like a, an announcement. Ahab worshiped Baal little. I will worship Baal much, right? So basically he lied. And he, he puts out all these invitations. If you are a prophet of Baal, you need to come to the Baal temple and uh, we're gonna have this big sacrifice and we don't wanna miss anyone. So please make sure, if you know anyone who worships Baal that's a Baal prophet or a Baal leader, you know, head on over and um, we'll have this big celebration. And so they do. And they all come and they're high-fiving each other. And yeah, Baal, Baal's number one. Yeah, we're going to worship Baal. So they all get into the temple. And Jehu's like, hey, everybody, um, I just want to make sure there's no 
uh, prophets of Yahweh in here. No worshipers of Yahweh. Everyone has to be all about Baal. So uh, maybe there was one guy in the back who was like, oh man, I thought this was Yahweh. Okay, I, I'll take off. So I don't know. It wasn't in the Bible, but this is what happened. And so he sends, uh, on his way there, he finds uh, Jehonadab. Jehonadab just happens to be coming. And he says, are you for me or against me? He's like, I'm Jehonadab. And so, uh, which is like, God is noble. And so, so they just both go to this temple together. And it's the first time you see Jehonadab. You never see him again. Like, well, you, you haven't seen him before. So uh, they show up and Jehu says, hey, Jehonadab, I want you to see how zealous I am for God. I want you to see how how amazing I am for God. I'm going to do this really big thing. And so, as you can kind of imagine, they set up guards around. They all begin to do the sacrifice. And then Jehu has the guards come in and, um, and make sure that people are safe. Uh, I, can, I can never tell if there are kids listening. They kill everybody, okay? It's in the Bible. So here's what happens, because Jehu has basically eradicated Baal worship out of Israel, and that is super important. It's a big deal, and doing big things for God is really important, and we should do those things. Here's what they did. They brought the sacred stone out of the temple of Baal, and they burned it. So there's this stone that they would put, they uh, use for the uh, sacrificing the animals, and uh, they burned it. They demolished the sacred stone of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal. And the people have used it for a latrine to this day. It's basically, he took the Baal temple and made it a restroom. Which is amazing. So Jehu destroyed Baal worship in Israel. That is a big deal. However... However, God is concerned about the small things, the little decisions, the decision to wake up early and to go, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time with God. Or as you get into your car and you're ready to go to work and everything's just spinning around to go, okay, I'm going to take one minute. I'm going to take two minutes. I'm going to dedicate this day to God. I'm going to invite him into my meetings. I'm going to invite him into my relationships. I'm going to invite him into the conversations I have with my spouse. I just need time to just be with him. Jesus would often withdraw. He'd often withdraw. Hey, this is coming. This is my day. I, I got I to just be with my heavenly father. That is a healthy prayer life. That's a healthy prayer life. It's inviting him into the small things. Here's what we find out about Jehu. Jehu. Jehu was like crazy, okay? When he became king, he just started like cleansing everything so that there'd only be worship for, he got all the big stuff done, and that's good. Yet, Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord. He was good at doing, at, 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 at making sure stuff got done, but he wasn't careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel with all his heart. The little stuff. Here's what it says he did. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. Now, you'll remember this if you ever watch the Disney movie uh, about uh, Moses. 
the worship of the golden calves at Bethel and Dan. In other words, there was this big thing, Baal worship, and we're going to get rid of all that, but ah, those two cold golden calves, they're, not, that's, they're too small to be of concern. That's not how God views it. That's not how God views it. Now, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump from 2 Kings, where we just find this guy, Jeroboam. We don't know anything about him. He just shows up on the road. Jehu invites him in to the slaughter, and there we go. And then Jeremiah, a prophet, writes uh, some, some of the prophecies down and some of his narrative of what he was doing as he was a prophet for God. So we're in Jeremiah 35.2, and out of nowhere, God says to Jeremiah, I want you to go get this family, and I want you to invite them over to the house of God. So here's what he says. Go to the Rechabite family and invite them to come on one of the side rooms to the house of God and give them wine to drink. So Jeremiah, prophet, listening to God, minding his own business, all of a sudden, I don't know what it looks like when you, you start hearing from God, like if he's as a prophet. I know what it looks like for me. It usually sounds like my wife. Um, and so I, uh, he, he, he hears from God and he's like, I got to go to this family. And so he obeys. And he says, this is in the first person. So I went to get Jezaniah, son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah and his brothers and all his sons and the whole family of the Rechabites. Now, I was just going to explain this and not put it up with these, with these names. But one of the things I really appreciate about the Bible is when it gets specific. Like, we'll never know who these people are. Sometimes we will, uh, uh, like Jehonadab. But, but Jeremiah is writing this to a specific set of people who know who they are, who these people are. And watch, he even goes on. I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the room of the sons of Hanan, son of Igdalia, the man of God. So that you would read this as Jeremiah penned it. You'd read it and go, oh yeah, I, I remember that dude. Oh, I don't, but he did. It was next to the room of the officials. This is so cool. Which was over that of Masiah, son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. <laughs> okay, so it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm just geeking out over the Bible, but I love it when it gets really specific because I, it, it helps me to kind of visualize myself understanding that uh, in real time for them. So he goes on. Then I set bowls full of wine and some cups before the Rechabites, and I said, drink some wine. In other words, he's like, done. Invite Rechabites over to God's house. Check. Provide wine. Check done. He's done. All of a sudden, they say, but they replied, we don't drink wine. In which case, Jeremiah's like, hey, so that's awesome, and that's good for you, um, but here's the problem. God invited you to his house, and he said you should drink wine. So, He'll probably make it so that whatever you were trying not to have happen probably won't even happen. Just God, he invited you over, offered you wine. You can't really say to God, oh, yeah, no thanks, I'm fine. Like, do the thing, like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Just something, because God invited you over to his house to drink wine. You can't drink wine. Why? 
It must be something very spiritual. It must be something like God told us not to drink wine and now we're being tested. It might be um, something like, hey, we just rather wouldn't even start down that road. I might get into like trouble and we want to just worship God. I mean, that would be an amazing commitment to make. You know, spiritualize it. But they replied, we do not drink wine because our forefather, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. Okay, so again, Jeremiah going, okay, so let me get this straight. Your forefather, which is not dad, okay, that's generations ago. As a matter of fact, it was 250 years ago. So 250 years ago, Jehonadab says, don't drink wine. And you're, that's, that's what you do? Like, that, nobody questioned that? He says, we have obeyed everything our, it gets worse, everything our forefather Jehonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us. Neither we nor our wives nor our sons and daughters have ever drunk wine or built houses. <laughs> Or, or to live in, or had vineyards, fields, and crops. So, like, going back to Jehonadab in 2 Kings, was it like he left and said, hey, listen, I'm going to see Jehu kill a bunch of people. Um, while I'm gone, no wine, uh, don't build any houses, and there better not be a field when I come back. And then they, he didn't come back? Like, how did that all go down? Did he come back and be like, you know what? I just saw a bunch of people die. Let's do this. Let's not have wine, build houses. Or... I have no idea. All I know is that a family was invited to the house of God to drink wine. And they say, no, nah, ma'am, we have this commitment that we made to our forefather. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed everything our forefather Jehonadab commanded us. Now, you could imagine that God would have something to say about this. That God would be like, look, now I've invited you over to the house and this is what I'm providing for you, so you're going to go ahead and do what I say. Here's what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, go and tell the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, will you not learn a lesson and obey my words, declares the Lord. Jehonadab, son of Rechab, ordered his descendants not to drink wine, and this command has been kept. These little tiny steps, step, 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 step. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yep, we're not gonna, I'm not going to build that house. Just these daily steps of obedience. These daily things. To this day, they do not drink wine because they obey their forefather's command. Watch what he says. But I have spoken to you again and again. Yet you've not obeyed me. Again and again, I sent all my servants, the prophets, to you. They say, each of you must turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions. Do not follow other gods and serve them. Then you will live uh, in the land I have given you and your ancestors. But you have not paid attention 
or listen to me. It's small things. It's small things. It's paying attention. It's going, God, is this how you want me to spend my money? God, is this, is this the relationship you want me in? God, how would you have me respond to this situation that seems very troubling? God, how, how, how do I handle, what, what would you have to say to me about wearing a mask? What, just inviting him, inviting him, inviting him, often withdrawing to pray. It didn't say Jesus often withdrew to pray, to pray for four days. It just says he often withdrew to pray, to reset himself, to go, we, we know um, that he withdrew to pray right before he uh, picked his disciples. God, who would you have me pick? No, not, not Peter. No, no. Ah, okay, Peter. Right? He withdraws to pray these little things. I, I, I just want this word of encouragement to you, especially those of you who might be just coming back to God again, maybe for a while of being separated, or maybe it's, it's new to you and you're thinking prayer. I listen to, my, I listen to some people pray, and it sounds fancy. That's, that's sad. It doesn't have to be fancy. A kid coming up to their dad isn't fancy. Father, I beseech thee that I could have a Tonka truck. I don't know. But like, they, you don't talk like that. You just talk like you normally talk. And that's how we talk to God. So he says, the, the descendants of um, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, have carried out the command of their forefather gave them, but these people have not obeyed me. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a descendant to serve me. He made up arbitrary rules and his family obeyed. And he was an example of God going, if this dude can make up fake rules, and they be obeyed for 250 years, certainly, certainly what I'm asking you to do can be done. So how do we wrap it all up into uh, um, something that makes sense? Because I, I truly believe that following Jesus is not complicated, okay? And so I'm going to give you one verse out of Micah that you can just take into this week, and you just do, you only have to do three things uh, and it's really cool. He has shown you, O mortal. We need to bring that word back, by the way. Uh, that's really cool. O mortal, what is good? <clears throat> and what does the Lord require of you? Isn't that a great question? What, what is it that God is requiring of me? During the week, is it to go do great things and remove Baal worship from every place? Maybe, probably not. Is it, is it to go do great things for God, to give all my money away and to, you know, make sure that all, you know, everything in my life is in order? Maybe. But he just has three things. One, to act justly. To act justly. When you see injustice, try to mend it. When you see unfairness, you try to fix it. To act justly. So this week, it could be something big, but it might just be an act of justice, a small act of justice, maybe being part of something that's bigger and just a smaller part of what is bigger. To love mercy, 
to love mercy. Well, how, how does that get played out? <clears throat> Social media. Um, to be merciful. Maybe with a post, a tweet, something. To be like, you know what? I'm going to show mercy in this situation. I'm going to let that fly. Now, I really love how justice and mercy are these two bookends, right? Because you have justice, which means you need to act, to act justly, but then to, uh, and to love mercy, to make sure that you're in a place where you're not just bashing these, these weights almost. Remember the question, what is God really requiring of us? To act justly, to love uh, mercy, and then this is the best one, as the worship band comes back up. And to walk humbly with your God, not for your God, not walking humbly for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all these things for God. Th those are great, and he might ask you to do things for him. But the heart of God is that you'd be with him, that you'd often set time aside to go ask him, what would you have me do? Is there anything in my life that needs to be addressed? How would you have me handle these situations? To walk humbly with your God. This is really hard for me because my personality is to get stuff done. That's my personality. But what is really required of me as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a neighbor, as an employee, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. That does not take superhuman strength to do. It just takes a willingness to often just steal away a minute, two minutes, in the midst of something where you're like, hey, can I get back to you before I respond? Great, thanks. Dear Jesus, give me wisdom. A breath prayer. I'll end with this last quote from Alan Fadling. A new rhythm may be exactly what you need. A new rhythm. Wake up five minutes earlier. I know it, that it is for me, and I know that the Lord will help. Whatever you decide in how to incorporate these times where you can often get away, it might be during your lunch time or um, while, you, while you're cleaning up or what have you, you can invite him into all those things. And so that you would have a relationship with him that's rich and real, and that's good. So let me pray for us, and we'll end with a final song, and I'll come back up and lead us in a blessing. Dear Jesus, we are thankful um, that sometimes you require us to do big things for you, big decisions and big ministries and stuff, that, and, 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 and we know you'll give us strength to do those things. But Lord, as we think of an unhurried life, Lord, would we just be able to bring the eternal into all that we're doing? That we would, as we begin to see anxiety rise up in us, we would often steal away. That anxiety would be that call to worship, that call to pray. As we begin to have fear over what's happening in our country and around the world, Lord, that, we would, that would be a call to not get on the internet and figure stuff out, but a call to say, Heavenly Father, I just pray for wisdom to our, for our leaders or wisdom for our family and what to do next. And 
Uh, Lord, that we would be people who would often go away, often set time aside to be with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we do every Sunday, uh, whether you're in, with us digitally or physically, if you want to stand in your living room or wherever you're at, uh, we'll give the blessing. Sorry about, I closed my iPad and Apple TV took over. Uh, so if you saw that ad for Hamilton, it was really awesome. I watched it yesterday uh, with Lisa. So, um, and uh, yeah, so just a reminder, we'll be doing this for sure for the next two weeks. And um, and we'll reassess then as well. So now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his presence, in his joy, and in his strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.